Welcome, everybody, to episode number 40 of Q&A Cast, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of questions and answers. Not bad. Hosted by two big-time computer robots. Okay, not, not terrible. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Adam Cervantes-Wagner, and allow me to introduce my co-host, a major in robot psychology, Mr. Trevor Dillon. How nice am I uh, to you as my co-host now, 40 episodes into the show, uh, where you're going and then you say genuinely terrible jokes, Joke. and I just I just give you pure like confidence in just being like, hey, not terrible, not terrible. Do you believe me when I say stuff like that? Absolutely. I trust you implicitly. <laughs> That's such a huge mistake. <laughs> like, like you, you would have to search far and wide for two people to host a podcast together that are less charismatic and less funny than we are. <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, well, I guess Joe Rogan is only one person. Yeah, that's true. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Hear he got COVID and uh, got, was taking horse dewormer. Yeah, he got COVID, uh, something that he said was like not a big deal. And then he, I, I watched the video, but honestly, like 30 minutes ago, and he he listed off like seven different medications that he immediately ingested into his body. To yeah, get I wonder, um, what, what do you think would happen if he died? Like Friday news comes out like, hey, Joe Rogan died of COVID and horse worms. I would say like the left would just be like saying the same stuff they're saying now. Like, you guys should have never been listening to Joe Rogan. He is very stupid. And this proves <laughs> exactly why we're saying that. What, what would his fans do, though? I mean, I, I don't know what it takes for, quote unquote, these people to learn, but that <laughs> might be it. You never know. Right. That'd be, that'd be weird. Let's see if it happens. We got a few days. When this goes live, go ahead and write in. Uh, let us know what happened. <laughs> I know you want to keep talking about Joe Rogan, but I do want to bring this up at the very top of the show. Adam got a letterboxed. Uh-oh. Yeah. Pl go ahead yes. and plug that letterbox and tell the folks at home what they can expect. So my, I made my letterbox a, a long time ago. Um, obviously, I don't think I would go with this kind of username now, but it's uh, Adam with three M's at Ooh. the end. What do the three M's uh, signify? Stands for uh, maturity and mommy milkers. <laughs> wow. What, a, what an oxymoron, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so follow me there. I mostly just got it to keep track of movies I'm, I'm watching. I like the... The whole diary system that they have going on there. It's pretty sweet. And it's nice to see like your reviews um, mm -hmm. and reviews of other past guests that we've had on the show. Yeah, I mean, you, people looking for reviews of movies from me uh, can't come to this podcast because not, that's not what I'm doing here. So, uh, But are you not a review guy or are you not a rating guy? You're more of just making a list of what you've watched guy. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat that you are um, where I don't think I want to give anything a star rating, but... Mm. I'm probably just using it more to just keep track, you know? Yeah, and every once in a while, I'm sure you'll drop a pithy joke in there as a review like everyone else. Never. Uh, I, I do. My favorite letterbox person is the person who, like, it's genuinely reviewing films on there. Uh, but, yeah. you know, a lot of us just like to try to make little pithy jokes. But then every once in a while, I love when someone watches something and they just so unabashedly love it that they have to give like an actual real review of the movie <laughs> and they're like i'm really sorry guys but this movie was incredible and let me tell you why and i, I, I that's my favorite part of letterbox right well that's the thing is like i do enjoy when our friends like actually rate it uh right. we, we both follow x tina 
Mm. maybe a future guest on the show, but she genuinely reviews everything that she watches and it's really enjoyable to me. Yeah. I, I don't think I can bring myself to do it. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you'll be a, a, a changed boy one day, but um, let's start with a segment uh, that we'll, we'll be doing in every Q and a cast, because I think we'll be doing this episode <laughs> every 25 episodes or so, maybe every 20 episodes. So every 40. Um, yeah. Every 40, every, uh, we're like what? 12 episodes away from having done this stupid podcast for a year. That's, that's really crazy. <laughs> right. Which is, it doesn't feel right. I don't think that's right. No, I know. Every time I hear about the pandemic and people being like, Oh my God, we've been in this pandemic for a year. I'm like, dude, try 18 months. It's been way longer <laughs> than a year. Like people just can't process it. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that, uh, two, 2019, it was almost three years ugh. ago. God, it's so it's so crazy. All the memes online about like me processing March 2020 and then realizing that March 2022 is only like five months away. It's like, oh, it's, it's too real. Um, yeah. But the, the segment I wanted to start with, is called Media Diet. And uh, basically, we're going to go back and forth for, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so before we actually get into the Q&A cast portion of things and just talk about what we've been listening to, what we've been watching uh, recently, so I'll, I'll start off. Um, a couple weeks ago at the theater, we played uh, the new "quote unquote" Pablo Lorraine movie. A lot of people know that Pablo Lorraine, uh, the director of the Chilean film No, as well as the Natalie Portman film Jackie, he put out a movie a couple years ago called uh, Emma or Ema. Listen, I've seen the film and I still don't know if it's Ema or Emma. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, I got it in my brain that it was Ema, and then everyone else was calling it Emma, but it's E M A. Uh, and it actually came out like two years ago, but it never got a full U.S. release, um, whether it's the pandemic or whatever. But uh, we played it for a week over at the, the old theater there, and um, I made some time to watch it, which is fairly rare. And uh, I thought it was stunning. I, 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 mm. I truly, anybody out there who has a chance to watch Ema or Emma, uh, I, I suggested it to a friend of the show and past guest on the show, Adriana, who was on our um, our. Uh, nice. I saw the devil. I, but... I saw the devil, yes. But Adriana has a title. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was something like uh, the friggin' twisted, what was it? I was the horniest girl in, in Chicago. That's right, that's right. Uh, her nickname was the horniest girl in Chicago. Self-proclaimed, by the way. We did not call her that. Um, yeah, I had her go check out Emma or Emma at the Music Box Theater because the Music Box is the, actually, they distribute movies sometimes. Uh, and... She went and saw it, and she was like, it was sold out. It was completely packed, and the music box is like this really big theater. So um, I wish I had that experience of watching it with a, a full crowd because I saw it on a crowd of about eight people on 2 p.m. on a Saturday, and all of us were talking in the lobby about it. We were, either we were just like perplexed by it or we were like, oh, my goodness, that movie was so much, or I loved it. And I can only imagine what it would have been like at the music box in Chicago after that screening, just like, I don't even know. Like, honestly, that I think that theater holds like – 500 people it's such a huge theater so um definitely check out i I don't really want to tell anybody anything about it because it's so hard to explain else i will say the first five minutes are completely stunning uh the visuals are really really great throughout uh gail garcia bernal of um itumama tambien and m night Shyamalan's old fame uh is in it and and he's very good and you know this is why this podcast is bad is because the actress who's in it is incredible, and I do not have her name in front of me right now, but mm-hmm. she is so good in this movie, and I was like, what else is she in? Is she in, like, other Chilean films? And it's like, no. She's like, I mean, she is, but not not very much, and I could just see her just being a huge breakout star because she's just incredible in the movie. And uh, Anyway, you didn't make time to come see it over at the old theater, huh? 
No, I'm bummed out. Um, would you say you preferred that to days? Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, well, one, we could just hop into it, I guess. But did you, you saw days? I did not. Okay. Come so on, you're d- following me on Letterboxd now. You know what I'm watching. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Days was as expected. So obviously, Sai Ming Ling, who's like the you know the king of slow cinema, or at least uh, from Southeast Asia, the king of slow cinema. Uh, of course, Goodbye Dragon Inn and Rebels of the Neon God and stuff like that uh, that I watched during the pandemic for the very first time. So I knew what to expect from Days, but this one was even like it was so much slower than those movies and those are considered slow cinema uh so it, it, that is like true art house stuff right there and I, i'm really proud to have programmed actually movies like days from a very small studio called grasshopper films uh i i do appreciate an art house that's programming more than just your a24 and your neon fair uh even though those guys are putting out really awesome movies and i can't wait to play titan in uh, you know palm dior winter in october but um, it's really nice to actually play art house films from smaller studios. And uh, the audiences have been responding, and the movies have been doing okay. So um, this month we're going to take a risk and play a bunch of Soviet films. It's Soviet September. so Right. I, yeah. uh, I mentioned to Sammy that uh, alternate title is Putin's Picks. <laughs> I wanted to call it Red September, but uh, yeah. that, that was a little bit... We should, you know, <laughs> in October, we have to um, obviously do horror movies because it's kind of our bread and butter, but... If I did a Soviet month in October, then I would call it Red October, which would just be awesome. Okay, yeah. Well, you already blew that, so. Well, I'm not going to do it again. So that's the thing is that like you actually play like art house movies, and sometimes it has. I've seen since we've reopened. Uh, I always want to say post pandemic, but we're just obviously not post the pandemic at all right now. So I hate that phrase. Uh, but post reopening. Mm-hmm. we've been playing more art house movies than we were before we shut down. And really it's had this awesome, I want to say it's an adverse effect, but at this point it's not because, you know, you think like, Oh, well not a lot of people are going to show up to this one. So we have to play Rocky horror to offset it. And it's like, people do show up. Like we were playing mirror tonight, Tarkovsky's mirror. Mm-hmm. And we had like a bunch of people show up. And I was like, that's awesome because, uh, you know, that was the, like the first movie to kick off Soviet September. And, um, Tarkovsky's like, I think that's his best movie. I think Mir's his best movie. It's not my favorite from him. Stalker would be my favorite. But there's people who are just genuinely curious to see a 4K restoration of this new Tarkovsky movie in Orange County. So, like, right. you know, they're out there. And people... That's me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make some time to go see that. I'll, I'll be watching your letterbox uh, very closely. But <laughs> I'll give you a little spoiler of what I'm going to write for that review. You want to hear oh, it? Go ahead. Uh, it's going to be, uh, wow, what a weird movie. The guy in it looked exactly like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he, he, he dressed up as a clown. Okay. Uh, tell me about your media diet. My media diet has been hefty lately, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll start with Ema, Emma, and then a light recommend on Days. If you know what you're getting into and you like slow cinema, I will recommend Days. Not terribly for me, though. Interesting. Um, yeah, I... Uh, well, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler into the future, but I saw all three Oceans movies for the first time, um, back to back to back every night. You felt the need to watch all three, even though we're only talking about one of them. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was in it. And I got to say, you know, I think Ocean's 13 is my favorite of all three. Really? Okay, so that's interesting. I'm kind of bummed. I hope, I know they're not going to do another one. Um, By the way, I did say all Ocean's movies and did not (laughs) include Ocean's 8. Uh, You know, I like the idea of what they're going with it. Um, I like the idea of having like an all women cast. Yeah. uh, but what the heck? They got some white chump to do the directing for it. Some white male dude. 
Did they? I, th- I thought F. Gary Gray uh, directed that. No, it's a uh, F. Murray Abraham you're thinking of. <laughs> no, wait, hold on. All right, listeners, you're going to hear some typing. You're going to hear some typing right now. That. No, it's Gary Ross who did it. Ah, uh, Gary Ross is a white guy. So it wasn't F. Gary Gray. It was fucking Gary Ross they got to direct it. The guy who made yeah. Seabiscuit. Yeah, isn't that whack? Oh God, why would you do that? I, yeah, that's so. It's, I yeah. mean, let the original trilogy was was directed by a weird white guy. So yeah, but that's <laughs> like, the thing is he he started it and like that's I think the appeal of those movies is his sort of like almost guerrilla style with these big famous A list actors. Yeah, and so if I'm going into this movie, I want it to be at least completely a female gaze type of thing um, because I'm not going to get Soderbergh style on it. And I'm not, so I'm not even getting what I want either way. I mean, how, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm sorry. You, you said like some white guy, you, I, I, you, you were leaning a little, a little on the white part of it. You meant that should have been directed by a lady. 100%. Right. A, yeah. a white lady is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Has to be a white lady. No. Um, yeah. So Ocean's 13, I really, really enjoyed Pacino's in that one. Right. Yeah, he's the villain, which is yeah. was a big surprise. That's really cool. But um, wh- I think well, we'll just spoil this. We're not watching Ocean's Twelve. Uh, so, what were your thoughts on Ocean's Twelve? Because that's a movie that I think to this day is the only movie I've ever walked out of. I saw it when I was in seventh Whoa. grade. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I, I, just, I was not gelling with it at all, man. I, now I bet if I watched it. I think like the meta nature of it bothered me, but like, you know, back then, like I didn't know what meta was. I think I'd really enjoy that part of it now, but mm-hmm. it's just, I was not gelling with it and it just, it wasn't Ocean's 11 and Ocean's 11 is a movie that I wore, literally wore out the DVD of when I was younger. <laughs> like, Interesting. Um, I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times, but I didn't quote unquote get into movies until I was about 18. So mm-hmm. when Ocean's 11 came out and I was 10, that would have been a movie I would have just watched over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I yeah. do want to tease this real quick before you get into your thoughts on Ocean's 12. We are going to be talking about Ocean's 11 uh, during our heist <laughs> uh, series, but we're going to have a very special guest on that that I'm really excited about, but Adam doesn't know who the guest is, and he won't know <laughs> who the guest is until they get on the microphone during the episode, and I'm very excited right. about I'm, that. I'm still convinced there is no guest. It's just Trevor playing it up. Yeah, that's the reason why that's not true is because we were supposed to record that episode last week, and I told you, no, our guest can't do it this week. So. Right, which is oh. now I'm starting to, to disagree with myself. However, I still think it could be a long con. <laughs> you, you think that I just didn't want to record last week? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what, what would you think of Ocean's 12? Uh, Ocean's 12 was not bad. It is the weakest one, mostly because it's sort of just all over the place. And Yeah. Uh, which is kind of cool in a way. I mean, these guys are cool to hang out with, so it's fun to do that. But also, I, I really didn't understand... There's like the first prestige, which kind of blindsided me a little bit. Um, I do kind of like the clever, I won't say it, but there's a kind of a clever twist in here, which uh, which I was spoiled for originally. I think I would have liked a lot. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I probably didn't make it to it. Yeah, which is, uh, I think you should watch the movie. It's worth, it's worth watching. It is, the, uh, it is like the weakest of them. I will watch Ocean's 12 when I rewatch uh, Ocean's 11 for the pod. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll okay. get into it. Yeah, and um, then 13 was was sort of like a whole new genre. Like mm. it was outside of heist and Soderbergh and the guys just sort of developed beyond it with all these like pretty insane uh, subplots going on revolving around the main plot. I loved it. I think it's such a bummer that that was the last one to come out because it really found, seems like they found their footing oh, wow. and they could have easily made like a few more with that kind of structure and I would have totally been down for it. 
Yeah, I, I saw. I noticed you said that you were way down with the uh, female cast of Ocean's Eight, but when Ghostbusters 2016 was announced, you remember? I remember you were on the front lines, not very happy about that one. Right. I said. Uh, I, I I remember. Uh, I was one of the few people in Orange County to organize an all male screening of the movie just to combat <laughs> it. And everyone ended up like just loving it. Um, yeah. <laughs> oops. No. Um. I saw the movie twice in theaters. Uh. Not not a, not a great movie, but um. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I would say my next media diet thing, and I'll just go with my last two here. Um, I saw The Night House, uh, Rebecca Hall and The Night House, from director right. David Bruckner, who you might know from uh, Netflix's The Ritual, which is kind of a one of the only movies recently, The Ritual, that actually kind of creeped me out and scared me a little bit. So I was looking forward to this one. It debuted at Sundance. It debuted at Sundance last year, uh, I believe 2020. And uh, they've just kind of held on to it until now. And Rebecca Hall, uh, as we mentioned in our The Town episode, is just so great. She's great in this. Um, the actress from uh, – do you watch Barry, the show Barry? Yeah. That's so the only show that you watch. It's one of the only shows I watch, definitely. And uh, the actress who's in it oh, – God, this fucking podcast sucks. Hold on. <laughs> not, not, Nighthouse? Yeah, so the, the actress, her name is Sarah Goldberg, and she's she's fan- just so good in Barry. She's like unbe- unbearably good in, in Barry. And um, she's in this, and I, I I had like a senior like senior citizen moment where I could not place her the whole movie. Where I was thinking, you know, when you watch a movie with your parents or older people, they say like, "Oh, that's um, I know that person. What's that person mm-hmm. from?" And then they like have to think about it the whole movie, and you're like, "God, just watch the movie." I was doing that the whole time. Then afterwards, I was embarrassed because like, "Oh, Barry, of course, she's really good in it." But the movie is uh, too many ideas. Definitely, like it kind of goes off the rails in the third act, but. Up until that point, it's, like, pretty scary. And, like, I was like, oh, this Bruckner dude, like, knows how to scare me. It's kind of weird. I'm not just talking about really loud jump scares, which both The Ritual and The Night House have. But just creepy, unsettling moments. Um, I would say anybody who's a fan of horror has to see The Night House. It was, like, definitely the best horror movie I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's still some to come. But uh, the last one here for my media diet, and then you can kind of take over, is uh, I went to the New Beverly last night to, to see a movie that we're going to be talking about on the podcast very soon, uh, called Heat, Michael Mann's Heat. Uh, and I saw it with Diego Crespo, a fan of the show. <laughs> he's not a fan of the show. He was just a, a past guest on the show. But uh, he came on to our uh, awesome Jupiter Ascending episode, and he's such a huge, huge Michael Mann freak fan that like it was like an honor to sit there and watch Heat next to him. And the trailers beforehand were for like Manhunter, which is one of his favorite movies, and then Miami Vice, which is one of his favorite movies, and Collateral, which is one of his favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So... Um, black hat. Yeah, I was waiting for that black hat trailer. Uh, I don't think Diego goes to bat for black hat. I'm sure it only got like four stars from him on Letterboxd. So, huh. um, but uh, collateral rules and heat is just so fucking good. Like I, I, I hate like I hate that bro culture or film. I mean, we were we're kind of film bros here on this uh, podcast, I guess, but. No, I hate no. that they they try you know not you they tried taking that movie from us they like they really really did but like the the craft and the the amazing acting in that it just shines too bright for bros to take that away from us as as like you as really pure film heat. fans yeah yeah definitely uh, yeah so yeah. Nighthouse yeah. recommend and then Heat hard recommend obviously yeah I know uh, Diego gave it five stars uh, on Letterbox <laughs> can you believe it. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see that one and talk about it because I have not seen it. I think the only Michael Mann I've seen is Collateral. Wait, you haven't seen Heat? I've not seen Heat. Oh man, you're gonna have some serious. You're gonna have some serious um, thoughts on that one because there is 
stuff to dislike because it's like two hours and 50 minutes. I mean, any movie that long is going to have stuff that you're going to dislike. But yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it is like operatic, just drama, man. And in the form of like a, a, you know, heist gangster type crime thriller movie. It's it's so, so (laughs) good. But uh, I love the sound of it. What uh? So what have you been having for lunch and dinner this week for your media diet? Uh, so the last thing is uh, I'm halfway through the uh, the reconstruction of Evangelion Neon Genesis, the mm. four movies. You know about this? Yeah, I mean people are hot on the tales of Evangelion right now for sure. Explain yeah. it. Uh, yeah, and you may know that a uh, friend of the show and your personal hero, Kevin Cookman, just finished watching them also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen to all of these reference to people who have been on the show. You know, Xtina. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> Xtina has uh, not been on the show, but we're talking about Diego. We're talking about Zeeshan. We're talking because he just watched Evangelia as well. And then Cookman, all these names are coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, so Evangelion is often regarded as like one of the best animes. A lot of people think it's like, re- refer to it as brilliant in the sense of like its writing and its character study. Um, I, I've seen the show. It came out in the late 90s, I believe, uh, 26 episodes or so. I was not really a fan of it. I don't tell a lot of people that because they do hate me for it. Mm. Um, mostly just the ending, which people still seem to like, although, and, and to be fair to the creator, they did run out of budget for the right. ending, so it does kind of fall into this weird thing. I yeah, I, I think I asked you, but uh, at the Frida, they played uh, We Are Little Zombies not too long ago, and you, yep. you haven't seen it. I have not, no. Yeah, and uh, I know people were definitely hot on that movie, and I think I think that in that Venn diagram, there's a big overlap. Um, and for the same reason, uh, because it's very showy and there's a lot of like philosophical stuff going on, you know, and a lot of style to it for sure. But the reason I didn't like uh, We Are Little Zombies is because it's a lot of telling and not showing. It's right. a lot of like telling you what these people are feeling and not showing, and that's sort of what Evangelion was. A lot of time, I mean, anime in itself suffers from that a lot of the time. Right, um, like characters yelling how they're feeling. Yeah, or just yeah, exactly. And uh, the ending of Evangelion is uh, just brutal. Um, they, of course, after that they released two movies. Um, I forgot what the first one's called, but it's pretty much a summation of like the first eighteen episodes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they released a second movie called The End of Evangelion, which is. Uh, uh, redux of the ending which is certainly better i liked it a lot more um but still still got into that like way too heady for its own good territory um and so now they finally you know the creator was like hey i want to put out these the i want to redo the film the movie or the show into four films and i, I want to like take it in a few different directions um so i've seen the first two i have been liking it i think the first one was fine it reminded me a lot of the old stuff um and then the second one i really enjoyed uh, you could see the budget went up a ton for that one. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm really hope there's been a lot of changes so far. I think maybe I'm just remembering it wrong, but I like the changes so far. Um, I am excited. You know, the it, it's the first movie came out in t- 2007, the second one in 2009. Uh, the third one, I think, was like 2013. And the fourth one came out a few weeks ago, which is why everyone, I guess, is finally talking about it. Um, but that should yeah. be the end of it. Yeah. And we'll, that's, we'll see. That's it, huh? Yeah, are you, what, you're, you're gonna watch those, right? Uh, I, you know what? I, I've, I've thought about watching them because we played uh, whatever part, whatever equates to part one and part two. We played them at the theater, mm-hmm. and they do really, really well, and they look really cool. Like looking through the window, they look cool. I've just never taken that. Like 
that would be a fascinating genre for the wheel to stop on as anime because mm-hmm. I've never even seen like the most popular basic anime films. What you've seen what? I've seen is Cowboy Bebop anime. Yeah. Okay, so I've seen one anime film, and you know, <laughs> you can go back and listen to that episode. I wasn't head over heels for it. So <laughs> right. Well, that's actually not that good of an anime film. I mean, well, you you you've not experienced like uh, Miyazaki. Or Satoshi Kon. Those are the big I mean, guys. I have not seen a Satoshi Kon yet. I, I've, I've, we've played Whoa. many of those. Yeah, yeah, I know. Perfect Blue. And uh, what was that movie called? Uh, something Girl. Um, yeah. Shoot. Paprika, Millennium Actress. Yeah, Millennium Tokyo Actress. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. Tokyo Godfathers. Yeah, we play that. Of course, Paprika. Yeah. I w- yeah, I mean, Satoshi Kon would be really cool to get into. Um, yeah. I, even something as obvious as like Akira or. Um, ghost in the shell like i would just start there right. maybe yeah yeah so well, i think satoshi kone and miyazaki are great gateways just because i've they, seen the miyazaki have... stuff i didn't realize that, if, oh. that i didn't realize that was anime yeah absolutely i mean he well he's definitely working with he's working in japan you know making animated films i think <laughs> but 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 still that's the good part is like miyazaki doesn't fall into a lot of the tropes that anime films do right um or anime shows do a lot of the time that makes a lot of them hard to watch uh and I, especially, I think that's why I wouldn't recommend a lot of those getting into it. Um, go to Satoshi Kon. That's where you got to go next for sure. Yeah. I mean, Tokyo I know. Godfathers is one of my favorite films. Yeah. I, I play that every, I play it every December for Christmas. Yeah. Um, is that it for your media diet? Was that your, was that your dessert? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we gotta, we gotta get to the one that you made up this whole segment for. Go ahead, Trevor. The Q and A cast. No, 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 the, the media diet segment. You made it for so you could talk about one thing. Let's get on with it. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, oh, 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 you oh, called oh. it media, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Adam, have you been listening to anything good <laughs> recently? Nope. All right, so I have been listening to a new album uh-huh. by some artists that I really like. And um, they are called Churches, and their new album, Screen <laughs> Violence, uh-huh. is out now. And it's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, Irish synth pop band that I really enjoy, uh-huh. fronted by um, Elf Queen Lauren Mayberry. And they just kind of uh-huh. make this very poppy. This is their fourth album. And I always say about bands that, like, you're allowed to make the same album twice, maybe three times if it's good enough. But that fourth album's got to be different. It's got to be different right. than the first three. They came I'm watching out the clock and- here. Yeah, no, that and so yeah, so uh, Church's Screen Violence, if you're into synth pop, I, I would highly recommend that. So uh, right. no music for you, Adam? Uh, you know, I just listen to Olivia Rodrigo. I'm sure her album's great. Uh, <laughs> instant success right out of the gate. Yeah, always a good sign. Uh, right. Okay, so let's get to the what's the point of the main of the, of the main point of the episode. Uh-huh. Let's get to some questions from our listeners. Uh, yeah, so- I'm excited. The, 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 so we put out the call, you know, we put out the call on Instagram and Twitter, uh, not so many bites on Twitter, but, uh, the Instagram was pretty busy and, um, I have four questions here that I wrote down from some, uh, past guests and fans of the show. Uh, and then, uh, I heard that you had a couple as well. You only got four. Uh, well, yeah, I, I only picked four of the, of the best ones. You know, you can't no, take no, everybody's questions. We gotta, we gotta get into everybody's, I think. No, that, on it. there was like 20 questions. So the people wrote in, we can hit it in like a, we can hit four in a minute, you know, and we're good. Fan of the show, AJ Drake asks, hey guys, what is your favorite animal attack movie? And can we get an animal attack episode? Uh, do you have an answer for this, Adam? Great, great question, uh, AJ. Uh, I'm going to go with 
happy feet. Um, <laughs> I, I think that counts. You know, the, the, uh, the humans attacking the environment is an animal. We just see yeah. it from the animal's perspective. I uh, I will say this. Uh, someone asking, can you do an animal attack episode after we did an entire Creature Feature series is just a true giveaway that this person does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, I don't think we did an animal attack in there, right? Yeah, but like, the, yeah, we did like the Lorelai's grass, but a lot, a lot of these Creature Features the, the, are animal attack movies. No, this has to be grounded. I'm sure he's asking like a real life animal. Okay, so you, I can't say like Jurassic Park or like dinosaurs attacking. No. Okay, so I'll go with a real animal then, a shark, and the movie is called Jaws. There Thank you, you AJ. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the question, AJ. And yeah. um, do not be discouraged of asking a question next time we do an episode like this, even though we just made fun of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll go with another one. one here. Yeah, no, okay, no. let me do two normal ones, then you do a, one of your goofy ones. Actually, I got a normal one. Okay, go ahead. Um, this comes from my very supportive mother. Um, she listens to most of our episodes and she has her friends listen to them as well. Please tell me that's uh, not true. And she thought that my, that's a hundred percent true. And she no. called me uh, last week. This Here's the kicker. She called me last week and she said that, that my CD's nuts joke was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we kicked off the town episode with a, with a, a, a rather ribald joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, so she, uh, she comes with a very wholesome question. I'll let you answer this one, Trevor. Okay. Uh, how do we select the movies we watch? <laughs> well, um, Ms. Wagner, I hope it's okay if I call Cervantes. you Cervantes. Ms. Cervantes, um, I, I want to say that we pick our movies based off of the genres that we are talking about. So the point of this uh, podcast is that we are, well, the main point of this podcast, what we call our main feed, our, our typical episodes are breaking down movies genre by genre. So we'll basically spin a wheel and the wheel has 100 different genres of movie on it. And then whatever genre it lands on, we decide basically, are we, do we want to do four movies in this genre? Do we want to do six? Uh, for the Creature Feature series, we did ten. Um, typically, in a given series, we will pick a movie. Um, I will pick a movie, then Adam will pick a movie. But mostly, the guests bring on the movies. Um, so we will... First, I mean, we, we don't center around the movies that we're talking about. We center around the guests we want to have on the show. So we'll pick a guest. For example, the last episode we did was a heist movie, and that was The Town, because our first guest on that series, Zeeshan, uh, he wanted to bring on The Town, which is his favorite heist movie. Uh, so basically, that's how we picked them. And um, I think, oh, Adam, tell me uh, if you kind of uh, approach it from a different way, but when we get to bring our own movies onto the podcast, I don't bring on my favorite movie of that genre. I bring on a movie that maybe I haven't seen and I want to discuss, or... I, maybe I saw and I didn't love it that much, and I want to re-watch it and, and kind of discuss it and figure out whether I liked it or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we didn't bring him on for heist, but uh, my favorite heist film is Big Deal on Madonna Street, and I would not have brought that on because um, right. we got to talk about something new, especially you and I have discussed that movie before. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. Uh, thank you for the question, and that was yeah. indeed very wholesome. Yeah, thank you, Mom. Love you. Wait. I uh, I don't know about you, but when I tell people about this, like in person, I usually um, I make a big deal about the wheel. Like we got a big wheel, and people seem to remember yeah. and like latch onto that idea. Uh, li- I mean, 
it, it is not that big of a wheel because it's on my laptop and it's, it's it's like a website that I use. But yeah, the wheel is is fun. The wheel is definitely yeah. fun, and hearing it spin and hearing our reaction to it, I think um, in those outro to blankety blank episodes is, is quite fun. But uh, I have another question here for us. Right. By the way, what, really quick though, when we do get our studio, we're gonna get a big effing physical wheel for sure. Oh, for, for sure, and it'll never change. It'll it'll always have those same hundred genres on them. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, past guest of the show, uh, Anthony McElroy, he, um, he, he was on our, uh, the Raven episode or yeah, no, the, the crow, the crow, the crow, <laughs> not the Edgar Allan Poe, uh, John Cusack film, the Raven, um, drop those bars for me. Yeah. the hangman's joke. <laughs> Once upon a midnight dreary as I pondered weak and weary. He asks, favorite <laughs> original film score? Do you have an answer for this one? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah. I'll go first. So I, yeah. obviously I had, the, I had the answer ready to go because I had the question. But, um, oh boy, quote unquote fans of this episode are going to roll their eyes. But I'm a big fan of James Newton Howard. Are, are you familiar with his work? Sounds like a nerd. Yeah, James Newton Howard, he actually... You know, he was the guy who was sitting under the tree, and then the apple fell on his head, and he understood <laughs> gravity. And no, he um, so he's done a lot of huge movies, like the Hunger Games and stuff like that. But I'm specifically talking about his work with a filmmaker that I enjoy named M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the score to The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, The Village, uh, Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water has an incredible score. Unbreakable has an incredible score. But my favorite film score of all time, and I believe I've mentioned this in one episode of this show, is James Newton Howard's score to The Village, um, which literally is one of the ingredients that makes me really love that movie. Uh, It's just truly like, if that movie didn't have that score, maybe I wouldn't like it even at all a little bit. So, um, yeah, give give James Newton Howard's The Village score a listen. It's truly beautiful, and it is so, in fact, it is so good that when the movie ends, obviously you have an M. Night Shyamalan film that comes out, but the second billing you see is uh, assistant violinist. It says assistant violinist, and then it says the lady's name because, man, that score carries that movie so, so hard. Uh, what's your favorite original film score? Um, well, uh, by the way, you missed the opportunity to say uh, Apple fell on his head and then he came up with some sick beats. Um, I don't get it. Okay. But... Uh, well, first, non-original film score, again, goes to Happy Feet. Uh, the yeah. whole rhythm of that movie is just fantastic. I think about it all the time. And who did the score for that? Uh, you know, Pink was involved. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, Weird Al or something. <laughs> um, no, but original film score, I think it's... There's the easy one uh, by saying uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, Morricone, uh, because it is fantastic. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, th- any Morricone I, w- I would accept for here, for sure. Right, but I'm going to go with my man, my man in the hizzy, uh, Johnny Greenwood, mm. doing the score for uh, There Will Be Blood. Mm. Wow, I was just thinking about There Will Be Blood today when I was listening to an album, a hip-hop album that just came out recently. It had a very similar sounding <laughs> track. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting. That's like your favorite, because that's not a score that you like sit around listening to. Maybe not you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it definitely works with me. That that and the score for also what he did for um, 
uh, you were never really here, and then the master score as well. I just think the the Wild. the he re- does really re- methodic music. You know, it really goes and goes, and you can. I don't know. I just love it. I, I absolutely and, love it. It's so wild you're naming those scores like but like the one that I actually could sit around listening to from Greenwood is Phantom Thread. Like that's like an actual melancholic like I like like listening to that music. Everything else just is perfect for the movie, but I, I can't really sit around listening to it. And I think that's kind of what's my criteria for this question. Okay. Well not yours. <laughs> yeah. Um All right, I, I have one. another qu- okay, you can go ahead. Yeah, uh let's see. Uh, I got one from um, my friend in Japan, who I would love to have on um, the show sometime. I when I was in Japan last time, we went to go see Solaris mm. in a Japanese theater, and uh, it had George Japanese. Clooney. Yeah, okay. It had uh, Japanese subtitles, not English. So that movie <laughs> was especially uh, disorienting for me. But I did not fall asleep, despite it being at midnight. Um, uh... but... Yes. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any comments. I mean, I, it doesn't have to be midnight for that movie to put me to sleep. But yeah, right. I'm surprised, you know. Uh, I, I will it, say that if someone had asked the question, "What's your favorite final shot in a movie?" It, it actually is Solaris. I actually think that has the best final shot ever in a movie. But go on. Right. What is, what does your friend want to know? Anyway, uh, Mengji, thank you for writing in. Uh, she wants to know, <laughs> Quentin or Coen Brothers? Ooh, that is. Oh God, it's a good <laughs> question, and I'm sure yeah. you've thought of your answer. So go ahead. I have not thought of my answer. I'm just trying to make you seem bad. Well, uh, so it's, I mean, that's really like one of them has quantity and quality and one of them just has quality. Like Quentin's not, he has, he has not made anywhere near as many movies as the Coens. So right. if you're asking me like Desert Island filmmaker, it's got to be the Coens. And they also, people are like, oh, that movie is very Coens brother-esque. It's like, they've actually done a ton of different genres. So like, right. I don't yeah, understand absolutely. how people have been like pigeonholing them into like, it, they, they're movies in different genres. Like they can make a Western that feels like a Coen brothers movie. And then they can make like a drama in the Midwest that also feels like a Coen brothers movie. Uh, so I, I get what people mean by that or, or even a, like a, a ludicrous comedy, like burn after reading that is like purely Coen esque. So, oh, yeah. um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I gotta go, I have to go Coen's just because Tarantino, I love Tarantino movies. I fucking hate that. I just said that on this podcast, but I do love his movies. <laughs> Um, literally he's made what nine of them. And I, I really yeah. like like seven of them. So, um, can't really miss with these two picks, but I'm going to go with the quantity and the quality here with the Coens for sure. Okay. Good choice. I mean, it is uh, hard to pick. I mean, if we go, uh, toe to toe, I think, well, I think Coen brothers are more of an acquired taste, right? Like Tarantino is definitely a broader, easier to get into thing. Yeah. Um, but you brought up something like burn after eating or a serious man, Mm. Um, and both those movies just f and rule. Like I know, and first... those are the ones that I brought up without naming like the big popular ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think I, I, that's the thing is like their their understated movies are maybe some of their best ones, um, but it does take a little bit to get into them. Yeah. Um, and then, but if we put toe to toe, like both of them won Palme d'Or. If we put Barton Fink up against Pulp Fiction, Pulp I think Fiction, I would. Yeah, yeah I'd pick Pulp Fiction. But if we put Pulp Fiction up against Fargo, well, I'd still pick. Pulp Fiction, but if we put yeah, Reservoir <laughs> Dogs, if we put Reservoir Dogs up against Fargo, uh, you know, yeah, well, what would you, where would you? Let me guess, you'd go Reservoir Dogs. No, I, I love Fargo. I definitely think Fargo. Yeah, so I mean, okay, so if you're going to switch the question to 
Tarantino's nine best movies versus the Coen's nine best movies, then maybe I'd give you a different answer. But I have to go with, they've just genre hopped so much, genre mashed so much, and there's just more movies. I I gotta go with them for sure. Yeah, you know what? I think I would go with Coen also just because, uh, yeah, I think you'd get a lot more for your money there, you know? Uh, have you ever heard the uh, the reason why Bill Murray did those Garfield movies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, he thought he somebody was writing the movie, uh, and it, his name was Ethan Cohen, like C O H E N. And Bill Murray was like, "Oh, I've always wanted to work with the Cohen brothers, so I'll do this." And it was a different Ethan Cohen, <laughs> right? And I think uh, <laughs> how could he not know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny though. <laughs> uh, did you know that they wrote the screenplay for uh or wrote a draft of the screenplay for bridge of spies the spielberg movie yeah yeah and uh what that uh george clooney directed suburban one yeah suburbicon yeah yeah um you know they're out there yeah they they i mean it's just interesting that they'll do they'll do material it makes sense i mean they can't make every movie so right which is funny because i i definitely didn't see suburbicon i don't know if you did no, they shot it actually in Fullerton in my buddy's neighborhood, and oh. it, it actually kind of looked okay. But yeah, no, I know I never got to it. But um, with uh, Bridge of Spies, it does not feel Cohen at all. No, no, not at all. I Which mean, is good, cool. good movie, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Although, uh, you know what? I don't think uh, No Country for Old Men doesn't feel Cohen at all either. I disagree. It has some of, the, some of that really weird, odd, like fargo-esque comedy in it definitely like some of the characters mm. are definitely like more caricatures mm. than cormac mccarthy based them in and i think that no i feel like there is a lot of uh Collins in there for sure okay all right yeah you're wrong all right yeah. next question um my hero as you call him uh, kevin cookman a friend uh, of the show mm-hmm. asks which genre that you've covered so far has the most trash movies i asked him to clarify <laughs> this question um I asked, do you mean has the worst movies that we've watched? You know what I mean? Like going through mm-hmm. like which genre? Because the answer to that was space opera, I, I would have to assume. Right. Uh, but he said, he said, no, out of the genres we've discussed. So he means revenge, space opera, creature feature. Uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and now heist. Which one of those, uh, if you ventured outside of the movies we talked to, has the most trash movies? What do you think? Uh, yeah, still, still space opera. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so, so it's interesting because there's not that many space operas, right? Um, um, so not that many good ones, I think. So I actually think that that's, uh, and, and, wow, what a, what a combative episode. That's the one that has the <laughs> least trash. Just to, to Oh quantity. my God. I would say revenge movies and creature features because they get so based in exploitation. Like there's a lot of really, really shitty revenge movies and really, really bad creature features. Um, yeah, I guess like that's lazy, fair. lazy movies. I would say the one that has the most trash is like the revenge genre. Like it has oh like, prob- yeah. Were you going to say the exact opposite? Yeah. I would say like my second would be creature feature. Yeah. I think that trash, like, 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 and you know, I'm not even talking about like Charles Bronson stuff, but like revenge movies have been being made for so, so, so long. And there's just a lot of really bad ones, you know, uh, there's just so many, uh, God, I guess Creature Features probably has so many mini B movies, but right. um, there's there's something to love about that trash. I would say that there's probably the most like unwatchable, boring. Like even now, like you like Taken Three, Taken Four, Taken Five, like shit like that, where you're like, this is not good. <laughs> like this, these are movies are not good, and um, even like the Death Wish, the Charles Bronson movies. Like once you get past two, 
there, it just basically is him looking for a reason to go out and kill minorities, uh, basically. <laughs> right. But it's, it's not fair because because revenge also casts the largest net, you know. And the yeah. movies that you're describing as bad are just sequels to movies that were like fine or good, you know, sure. in their own way. But uh, I think as far as originality goes, something like Space Mutiny, mm. uh, which is obviously something we're not going to talk about here, yeah. but has a lot of brothers and sisters for sure and, and exists pretty wide in that. You know, space opera isn't a very popular genre, I don't think, outside of Star Wars um, because most of them do so badly because it requires a big budget um, and they don't have that a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, give me a few space mutinies before you give me Taken Four. Like, like there was at least no some imagine. Yeah, there was like some imagination, and you can have fun with it. Taken Four, like something like that, is like to me is like unwatchable. I'm like, I'm it's like, you're like really wasting my time with stuff like that. I, I feel like that's fair. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I would not watch uh, Space Mutiny again before I saw Taken Four. But uh, Louis Leterrier, the director of those movies, I think, and the Now You See Me movies, and the <laughs> Wrath of the Titans class. Go ahead and call me. I, I do like those taken, all of them. But I, I take back what I said. Right. Um, and then for creature features, you know, I think, uh, well, that's the thing. is you, you Like you said, there's the B side of it. Um, but well, they and, are the, and the Z side, too. I mean, the, the, there's some really bad creature features, but right. um, I would watch those all day over like a lazy sequel to a to a revenge movie. Absolutely. Piranha 3 Double D has something. The only movie that <laughs> that movie fucking sucks that uh, the <laughs> only movie I've ever pirated, by the way, I was like, I'm not going to pay money to see this movie. And yeah, I'm glad I know I you, it... you pirated it so you could watch it on your laptop. Are you sick? <laughs> I do love that first uh, Alexandra Aha. Shout out to, um, what was the movie we watched earlier this year with Melian Uh What was it called? Oh, Oxygen. Yeah. Oxygen, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I liked his, his Piranha movie, the, the first one, but it was only the three single D. Uh-huh. Uh, um, right. All right. Next question. Uh, I guess we'll throw it to me. Uh, this one comes in from a past listener, or a past guest also, Russell Frankston. Uh, he was mm. one of our two guests on... The Cowboy Bebop episode that we talked about earlier. Uh, he asks, I'm going to read it as, exactly as he wrote it. Once and for all, what was up with the shoelaces? Spill the GD beans, enough is enough. Um, Trevor, yeah, this goes into, a, this has to hit a little anecdote, I guess, because uh, so back in college, I think in the first year or two while I was in college, um, I used to purposefully not tie my shoe and walk around <laughs> campus that's such an adam move <laughs> i would walk around campus uh with it untied <laughs> and russell and gabe you know the, my buddies used to uh, really get on my case they hated that i would do that they yeah. absolutely hated seeing my shoelace untied to the point where i i don't do it now i regret it now i've openly apologized for it but if my shoe comes untied, they're going to be like, what, are you doing it again? Um, they, uh, they just could not stand to see a man uh, uh, looking, looking like Goofy uh, <laughs> with the un, 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 untied shoelaces just surrounded by college chicks. Right. And that's the thing is it worked. Um, that kind of thing definitely worked. Uh, I always bring up one time there was a, I was walking to class and this girl comes up to me and she's like, hey, did you know your shoe's untied? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, so I, you know, I had not gotten the chance to tie it or whatever. And we started talking. We found out she was in the class that I was. We didn't, we ended up, it was an acting class. We ended up performing 
a scene from Pulp Fiction together. So Whoa! The scene where uh, Vincent has to stick the the needle in Uma yeah. Thurman's chest. That's the one. Yeah. Are, wait, are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. I was Vincent. <laughs> That's wild. That's yeah. wild. They, was it the scene where um, they're they're in the house together and she puts on uh, Son of a Preacher Man and then he goes into the looks at himself in the mirror and he says. You're going to go home. You're going to jerk off. <laughs> you're gonna... That's all you're going to do. God, that fucking movie's good. Yeah, I mean, I know, hot hot take alert, but Pulp Fiction, man. That was the movie that I, the first couple times I watched it, I was like, I just wasn't getting the grasp of, like, why it would go to France and, like, just absolutely just destroy that audience and win the right. Palme d'Or by a mile and be right. like, this is, like, Americana personified, like, literal Pulp Fiction this is like a new world we're being shown in film. And I just like didn't quite understand it because it wasn't the first Quentin movie I saw when I was younger. And like, I was like, yeah, it's just kind of like not as cool as Kill Bill and stuff like that. And yeah. like now when I watch it, I'm like, fuck, it's so good. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, uh, yeah, no but, I agree uh, completely. I, and that's the thing is like, I didn't like it the first time I watched it either. I think it, I think it just has to grow on you. It's just something that's just been ripped off so many times. Like how many, how many bad Guy Ritchie ripoffs of that movie I saw before I saw Pulp Fiction is, is like insulting. I feel like, but right. um, again, before I was eighteen, I was just like going to Blockbuster and grabbing whatever out of the bargain bin and being like, "Oh, Spike Lee, Miracles of Saint Anna." Sure, I'll watch this movie. <laughs> being like, "Oh, Spike Lee, I don't like his movies," and like you watch the worst Spike Lee movie. Um, yeah, but uh. Yeah, great question about movies, Russell. Thank right. you. Thank you, Russell. Uh, let's move on to my final question about movies. Uh, and you're going to like reading this one. all the questions that you got. Uh, I have four written down, so I, I will not be going back. You're going to pull it up, and we're going to rapid fire through those because those people Fine. took the time to write in. I don't know if I can actually find their questions anymore, but I'll try. You can, I um, promise. This last serious question is from uh, what do you know, friend of the show and past guest of the show, Craig Duffy from our The Mist episode. <laughs> he he asks favorite Hong Kong movie, and uh, I'm sure you know the reason he asked this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, okay, so that's always kind of tough, right? Because uh, there's the line between Hong Kong and China. Yes, um, and uh, let, let me let Thai... me put a little disclaimer out. You can't name a Wong Kar Wai movie, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, no, and I wouldn't. Uh, I think Police Story is a fair one, right? Police Story, it would be one of my answers, definitely. Police yeah. Story won well over Police Story 2 and any of the other yeah. sequels. Uh, that's like a perfect movie, basically. Absolutely. I've watched it twice recently. It's just so, so good. Right. I watched it again the first time I saw it. Um, was at the Frida. I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. It is a masterpiece. I love that movie. Yeah, and Police Story 2 is just okay. Uh, it doesn't, it's it's, it's, too, it's too long. Yeah, and it doesn't have the like humor or like the passion. Right. Like the, the Police Story One is akin to like a Charlie Chaplin movie, pretty much. Oh, you absolutely! I, I love it, and I, you know what? I actually didn't realize until a couple of years ago that it was directed by Jackie Chan. Like, what a what a yeah. stud! Yeah. And the, the best final credits ever in a movie, uh, I think, yeah. for that one. But um, so basically, what's <laughs> happening in in in, in, uh, in Hong Kong is that there's just the growing censorship that's going on, and they're basically just burying all the older movies because of you know bad material that's in them and basically people are crying out like god i hope you own these movies on physical blu-rays or dvds because they're just going to become extremely hard to um to watch in the future unfortunately mm-hmm. all right give me one of yours so obviously when i think of hong kong i think of hong kong action which is on our genre mm-hmm. wheel um john woo i love john woo yeah, movies um, i was going to go with hard boiled of the killer but i'll go with a better tomorrow which is kind of his okay. most rounded 
Um, I feel like that's the that's the masterpiece, and I, I know a lot of people would probably disagree with me there. Um, obviously, the one car wise stuff I, I love, like you mentioned, police story is is great. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't delved too much into Hong Kong stuff, which is why I would like the genre wheel to uh, to land on it. But I would say in broad strokes, you have your you know John Woo, Wong Kar Wai, um, uh, stuff like Ip, that. We, Ip Man, I think the Ip Man series is pretty solid overall. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the first two Ip Man movies. Those those are those are a lot of fun, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know you know who's having a big moment right now because uh, Shang Chi is uh, Tony Long, yeah. Tony Long, which is that's like, awesome. Yes. Yeah, I know it's the best. He's like just one of the hottest dudes. Ever, <laughs> yeah, and he literally was like, uh, he was like a couple days ago. I want to make a movie with Martin Scorsese, and everyone's like, Martin, get on it, man! Yeah, like, get on. him in your fucking movie. Hey, uh-huh. do you know who directed that new Sh- uh, Shang Chi movie? I literally found this out this morning. No. So, as uh, Dan- uh, do you know the name uh, Daniel Destin Cretton? No. He directed a uh, Short Term Twelve and uh, The Glass what? Castle, and uh, that movie with Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson that I watched earlier. Are you this kidding year. me? Yeah, he's not white. He's American, but he's not white. Okay, I mean that's better, but still, you could—they could have gotten John Woo for this. Oh, for sure, they could have like made the right. Oh yeah, uh, that movie was called Just Mer- God. What, what do you have? Fast and Furious Ten in your backyard right now? Okay, <laughs> Ten Part Two. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Cretton was born in uh, Hawaii on the island of Maui. Um, First of all, it's uh, Cretton, not Cretton. If you're gonna mock me, do pronounce it correctly or whatever Mike Wazowski <laughs> says. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a Japanese American. Okay, so. that's that's better than than yeah you know, yeah. My I'll bad for back. not looking it up. He did sound like an American name. However, <laughs> you went off of his name. That's like me going off your name. Oh, Adam Wagner. Oh, oh they gave him to some German guy. That's why I put Cervantes in there, right? Yeah, no shit. I could tell. Yeah, exactly. Because because I am aware people are going to judge by names. Hey, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Pe- Ash is purest white. Yeah, uh, that was a good one. I believe that can be considered Hong Kong film. Sure. Uh, I think that movie absolutely owns. It's completely underrated. Uh, I did buy it recently, actually, um, just to make sure that I got my hands on it. People would be pretty upset by my blasé, sure, that I just said just now because you were like, I'm pretty sure it's a Hong Kong. And I said, sure. It's like, if that's not a Hong Kong movie, that would be something that like would literally get me canceled. <laughs> well, that's the thing. is like it's definitely Chinese. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I, you know what I, I I I you know what I like doing on this podcast a lot is just admitting when I don't know something. Right. So I don't really know what draws <laughs> the line between those things. I'm assuming it's something that's based out of Hong Kong money, shot in Hong Kong, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. Uh, my friend Mengji, um, who's who's crazy about film, she is Chinese, um, and mm. she has corrected me in the past. And I wish she was here right now, but <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, we got to get Mengji on the show. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll get her soon. I was going to get her for space opera, but pretty soon um, she has some good. But let's uh, give it. I think it's my turn for a question here. OK, uh, I'm done with my questions, by the way. No, I, no we're not. I, I, I can't find the other questions. Once I, they're I gone, guarantee I, you, you can find them. No, I was just looking on the uh, Instagram once they're gone and they've been that, that they've been asked after 24 hours, they just disappear. No, they don't, because I'm pu- I had to pull it up today from the Instagram. So nice try, Dondo. But you're not getting out of this one. Tondo, what is that? Okay, um, for the uh, uh, friend of the show, not really. Um, <laughs> a person named Taylor Perrier wrote in with a few questions, uh, just okay. going really off. Uh, but I'll, I'll read you one of them. Here is uh, the only movie you can watch is a net for the rest of your life, or you can only eat hot dogs for life. 
oh, well, that new study just came out saying that one hot dog takes 35 minutes off of your life every time you have one. Oh. <laughs> All right, um, so? Yeah, so hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> right, because Annette takes two hours out of your life. Yeah, no, it takes a little more than that, unfortunately. Yeah, that movie, listen, I, I didn't go that hard on it. Uh, you know, right. I, I enjoyed the movie a little. It just right. was not... But the you movie have in love hot dogs, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm leaning towards hot dogs either way. You put hot dogs against, like, one of my favorite movies, I might go hot dogs. So it's just a, it's a rough question for me. If you, if you eat, if you have a hot dog meal that lasts 35 minutes, then what's the problem? <laughs> uh, I think you're missing the point. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll go with the hot dogs. I like hot dogs. <laughs> okay. Plus, plus yeah, she didn't yeah. specify we can get into worst territory. We can get into vegan hot dogs. Yeah, and also just like you know, I just don't want to watch a net, so it's not really a tough question. <laughs> right. Um, all right. What else so, you got with this? All right, rapid fire round. Wait, wait, before we I got one last get, one yeah. from this uh, Taylor Perrier. Okay. Uh, and she writes in asking. What would be the feat to your Tarantino? Feat to my Tarantino. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? You know what I really, really enjoy in movies? Hmm. Voyeurism. A like night- when I, was that a nice voyeur on a girl? I, I, I like, uh, like, like I, I, I think it's really funny. Like De Palma is who I'm talking about, really, but. I think it's really funny when, like, a director will, like, put a creepy character in his movie that's, like, looking at a woman. But then, like, we go to that character's POV and then we, like, slowly zoom on that. I just think, like, that's, like, the most perverted thing I would ever put in a movie is, like, as a character that's, like, obsessed with voyeurism because secretly, like, voyeurism is kind of this creepy thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? What, what's your feat? I'm way too much of a maiden to reveal what this answer is. However... Uh, I will, uh, I know that ex-Tina, Christina Lopez, who you've mentioned, could answer this for me in a heartbeat, and she would love it. So we will wait until we get her on the show, and we'll let her uh, just run hog wild and answer it for us. Yeesh, I hope your mom doesn't listen to that episode. Same. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah, message to Adam's mom. Uh, don't listen to the ex-Tina episode. <laughs> it's uh, rated oh- x Tina. You want let's uh let's let's run through a bunch of these really quickly. Let's do like ten seconds per answer, okay? Okay. You go first, then I'll I'll clean it up. All right. Uh, a friend of the show, Jonathan Young at Rewind Road Trip asks, when am I coming on again? Uh never. <laughs> My answer is anytime you want, Jonathan. Hit me up. Let's get you on the show. We yeah. had fun with you last time. Just kidding, Jonathan. I do love you. Uh at Nick Goddamn Mata asks, why is Sky? Um We'll never know. Sky is why. Sky is why. That's a Zed is dead, baby. Zed's dead. Thank you. Uh, Anthony McElroy is back to ask, who died and made Trevor King? Sincerely, a humble surf. That's something I want to know. <laughs> uh, but maybe uh, by Friday, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Who died and made Trevor King? Um, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, and last question from anonymous uh who has more swag between two of us oh good question uh okay so put yourselves in the shoes well put your just stay in your shoes i guess for this question mm-hmm. stay in your P- pov and imagine someone who has even less swag than adam that's me 
<laughs> oh, that's sweet. Um, you know well, what? No, it's not. It's not sweet. It's literally a diss on you, and then I'm saying I have even less swag than you do. So the answer: you probably have a little more swag. You have like the longer hair sometimes. What do you call it? the <laughs> yeah. untied shoes? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I feel like it's almost not fair for us to answer this uh, because we're so involved. So let's go ahead and ask an outside observer who who wouldn't who'd be the most impartial. Um, I'll go ahead and text Jen. And see what uh, she oh, thinks. Oh, Jesus. She's in Italy right now. You don't don't bother her. Yeah, sure. She's in Italy. <laughs> All these pictures she's posting on Instagram are just like, where I go, hey, that looks like the picture you showed me uh, the other day. She's like, it's actually better in person. Well, she's in an, apart- <laughs> she's in an apartment in downtown Santa Ana. Yeah. All right. Uh that was great. That was fun. Thank you all yeah, for asking all of those questions. And thank you to uh, the people who asked questions that uh, Trevor still is refusing to read. I know there are no. some. No, there. That was it. That was all of uh-huh. them. What, sure. <laughs> um, Adam, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out? Uh, of here? I guess I have to now. Um, you know, I got a letterboxed Adam with three M's at the end, <laughs> um, and my website Adam J C Wagner. If you want to check out the stuff I'm doing. Uh, and then you can tell me that you like it or you hate it. Awesome. I have a letterbox as well. It's at Captain Dills. Uh, also, I'm at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, follow us at Ghost Party Picks, like Ghost Party Pictures. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you know, give us five stars and tell us who you think has more swag in your review. And we'll read it at the very top of the show. We forgot to read an interview at the top of this episode, but that's okay. We'll get back to it when we get back to our main feed episodes next week. Adam, what are we going to be watching? Uh, well, that's a good question, Trevor. We are going to be recording Heat on Saturday. So that mm. will likely be our next episode unless we uh, get that Oceans episode in sometime soon. Yeah, so heat. Look forward to some heat. Look forward to some Ocean's Eleven. Uh-huh. Very speaking of uh, yep. heat in the ocean, uh, I hear we're at the point of no return. The scientists say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've gone past like, hey, we need to cut it out, man. We only have nine more years before we can reverse this thing, and now it's immediately like, never mind. We're just <laughs> yeah, doing it. The scientists <laughs> at this point are just like, you know what? Enjoy yourselves. Keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Let's just get this over with. Uh, speaking of getting this over with, uh, thank you everybody for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Adam, we have officially donned. Nope, it's, it was aid the cue. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>